0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to the house of God this morning. It's a privilege and a blessing to be here. I uh, would like to say thank you to Wellman, to Zion as a congregation for having taken us in in the last two years and fed us and walked along with us and encouraged us. We were hurting people, and you have, you have uh, encouraged us and, and helped us to find our way to find that life is worth living for Christ. We felt alone. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, this kind of stems back from something years ago in my own life, my own heart. The Bible talks about works, and and there's three kinds of works in the Bible. There's good works, and dead works, and evil works. And you know, in our midst, we probably don't have. There's probably not a whole lot of evil works. I hope not. In the in the Church of God, there shouldn't be evil works. But I. I think sometimes we get. I do. I have. You get caught up in dead works. Because we're trying to trying to maintain the way without the love of Christ in our hearts. And that's a difficult road to travel. Mm-mm. Good works and dead works, a lot of times, are the same works. One's done from a heart of grace and the other one is not. The plowing of the wicked is sin. And then a man can plow in his field over here, beside, right beside his neighbor, and... God has blessed his work. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 22 says, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. Now, casting out devils sounds like an amazing good work. And there are certain people, it sounds, that are going to stand before the judgment seat and they're going to come to the Lord with this. Lord, have we not done all of these things? And Jesus is going to, he's going to respond to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. <clears throat> Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. So what I want to look at this morning is just the Sermon on the Mount. And I think if you look at the setting here, the time that Christ came and you open the New Testament. This is the first recorded sermon in the New Testament. And I'd like to give us just a little backdrop here to to this time frame, this era. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 25, it says this, And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. So there was quite a mix of people and groups and and then christ comes under the scene and you know the pharisees the scribes and pharisees of that day were the religious people they were god's people so so called they had all these demands and things that they put on the people and of course they had the word of god the, the law and the prophets and jesus said about them that they sit in moses seat and this was this was prior to Christ's crucifixion. The spirit had not yet been poured out. And the, the Pharisees were the spiritual people of that day. And so Christ comes into the scene, and he's preaching, and there's some baptizing going on. But I guess the point that I wanted to bring out here this morning is, so you have this era. And then Christ enters this time frame, and he begins to teach. And I, I'm... It's it's just been something that has, I don't know, kind of, I've been looking at for probably two or three years, just this aspect. So let's turn to Matthew 5, and I'll start reading there. I'm just going to walk through. I'm not going to read the whole thing and then go back for the sake of time. I'm just going to kind of walk through it one verse at a time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you take that time frame there and you look at who he was speaking to and what the Pharisees had been teaching the people and the attitude of the Pharisees, was not, uh, poor in spirit was not something that they taught. And Christ comes on the scene and he begins to teach. Poor in spirit is to be in a position of utter need, desolation without hope and without means to change his position. Many times one who's tried and failed, one whose life is heavier than he can bear. A beggar, a pauper, broken and lowly. This isn't a teaching that a Pharisee would teach. One cannot buy his way into the kingdom, cannot work his way in. So I like the idea of a beggar. He stands before the gate. In Africa, there was this teacher he every day there was a, a beggar that came to his gate. And he stands at the gate. His hands are empty. His clothes are ragged. he has a ball and chain, in this case, padlock, ball and chain, padlock to himself, for which he has not the key. He has festering wounds as a result of the ball and chain. Think of sin. He comes to the gate. He has ball and chain on him. Many, when we come to Jesus, we're so bruised, broken, festering wounds, bitterness and hatred... <clears throat> this is a person who's poor in spirit he has a need and he knows he has a need, he's not riding the waves of success, he's not coming to Christ on the waves of success a young person might not have festering wounds but must recognize one's place of undone and inability to save themselves and must come also as a beggar empty of hand and equally in need of a savior I believe that's, a, that's, that's where salvation begins, is The first step of salvation is to be poor in spirit. And, you know, that's how we come to Christ. We come broken. We need class. We need help. We need saved. We need saved from who we are. And, you know, when Christ, this is, this, I want to paint a picture here. This is, this is ushering in the kingdom. This isn't necessarily this isn't necessarily, I'm not saying this is who you are and where you are 20 years down the road. We should have grown in grace. We shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily be broken and bleeding and bruised. The ball of chain has been, the, the, the lock has been open. We have been set free from this thing. But we'll never lose that need for Christ. We'll never lose that. We must always recognize we cannot be saved by our works. So this is coming to Christ. This is not a 20-year-old believer. This is coming to Christ. And this is a setting. Jesus opens his mouth and teaches them. This is, this is the way of salvation. And I think there's a progression. I think there's steps as we look at this. And I, I would like to bring that out just a little bit here. Verse 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now you think about this sinner who comes to Christ. He's broken and bleeding and and. Hopefully, at this point, Jesus is saying, Blessed are they that mourn. And this man is broken over his sin. He's, he sees who he is, and he is mourning over his sinful condition. He is weeping over his sin. He needs salvation, and his sins are something that weigh heavily. as Christian's burden upon his back in Pilgrim's Progress. To grieve, to wail, repent. Someone who is sorry for her sins... For their sins, someone weary, heavy laden, and broken hearted. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They shall be comforted. When the burden of sin rolls off at the moment of forgiveness, his weary soul receives rest. He mourns. He mourned. He is comforted. He's sorry for his sins. There's a mourning that happens. He's sorry for his sins. Blessed are the meat. Someone, someone mentioned this some years ago to Bible study. The preacher had preached a message on it. I think it was called like the seven steps of salvation. And I've since just spent some time looking at this aspect and, and walking down through it. And I'm, I'm not going to build a doctrine on this, but I do think it paints a, an interesting picture here. Blessed are the meat. Jesus said, I do only that which the Father tells me. Paul said, Lord, what wilt thou that I should do? Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Legion said, I will go with you. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Moses, the man Moses was very meek above all the men upon the face of the earth, yet led millions for 40 years. I give up myself and whatever I know to live life God's way. There is a change of allegiance. There is a quiet submission to the will of the Lord. We become a sheep by choice. A sheep doesn't have much by way of defense mechanisms. He trusts the shepherd's protection. Humility submitted. The meek shall inherit the earth. Jesus was perfect in this meek aspect. Yet he said to the scribes and Pharisees, Woe unto you, hypocrites. Meekness is not weakness. Jesus was bold as a lion, but he was not arrogant. There's a difference. To point out sin and to do it arrogantly or to speak it in meekness. Meekness is, a a meek person becomes a channel through which God works. And that's, yeah, that's something that God has me on a journey For the last two years, specifically, I want to be a meek person. I want to be someone that is submitted to to the direction, the will of Christ. The meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. The submitted soul, so you think about this sinner coming to Christ and he's broken, he's repentant, He, he turns his life to the Lordship, Of Jesus Christ. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. The submitted soul finds himself in a place of quiet restfulness. There is peace in his heart. He finds his appetites have changed. There is no longing after the hush the world offers. He has a hunger and thirst instead for the pure, the good, and the holy. He has left behind the profane, the temporal, the carnal that could never satisfy. He has found the pearl of great price. He has laid aside the old man with its fleshly passions and put on the new man which is created in righteousness through Jesus Christ. He longs after God. He longs for the eternal. His body has become a living sacrifice. He is laying up treasures in heaven. You know, prior he longed, he, he fulfilled the lust of his flesh. That's, that was his calling as a sinner was to walk in the flesh. He could not help himself. And when he submitted himself to the righteousness of God, his appetites changed. He was no longer hungry and thirsty for the husks of the world. He was hungering and thirsting after righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the merciful. This was something that happened in my life, and I'm not going to, again, this isn't a doctrinal Statement, but it's something that hinders many Christians, I feel. As this man hungers and thirsts after God, and he spends time with God, spends time in the Word, spends time in fellowship with the saints. He is renewed constantly in the spirit of his mind and he begins to value the things that God values. His worldview has changed. Instead of being hateful and hating others, he has mercy on them. For if a holy God could have mercy on him, the sinner, should not the sinner redeemed have abundant mercy on the sinner lost? We understand their situation. We understand their position. Why would we be judgmental about where someone is? So the point, the point that I want to bring out is, you know, the story of Corey Ten Boom. She had a dream and she had her, the man abused her. And, and in her dream, she had this, her tormentor in this cage, like a bird in a cage. And she had this stick, and she was getting back at him. She would poke him, never give him any rest There's a sharp point on her stick. And she'd never give him any rest. She was constantly getting back at the man who had offended her. And in her dream, God said to her to open the door and let him out. And when she finally opened that door, she resisted for a while, but she finally opened the door. And when she opened the door, she saw herself come out of that cage. And that's so true. You know, when we come to Christ, there's there's so many times there's people that we have in the past that we need to have mercy on and open the door of that cage. I, I feel it is critical to serving Christ clear and free, having an open heaven. Unless we do that, we're going to be bound to that thing. <clears throat> he has forgiven those in his past. He has released them. Maybe they haven't repented, but he has released them. And that, that makes a man a free man. <clears throat> Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I'd just like to look at this progression a little bit. This is personal holiness the man needs to attain. This is this man must learn to walk in victory. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Galatians 5.17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things you would. Only the pure in heart... Will see God. Only the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. That suggests to me that. If I'm not pure in heart. I won't see God. That's. That's pretty major. So this Christian. There's been this repentance. And this forgiveness. And this freeing up of those. But he still has life to live. He he needs to find a plane to walk with his God. That. Affects his everyday life. He needs to work on purity, keeping his affections where they need to be. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet hath he now reconciled. So is God a peacemaker? Blessed are the peacemakers. Is God a peacemaker? Little boys are often like their daddies. We see that. I see it in my own children. It just magnifies sometimes. I see things in my children. I, Where did it come from? And if I really take a look at it, I, well, I think they're magnifying daddy, and it's a little stronger in the next generation. And that's humbling. We are to be like our father. Peacemaking will affect our marriage relationship, it will affect parent child relationship. Peacemaking. Will affect our relationship with our neighbors jesus said you shall be witnesses unto me and to the ends of the earth and god wants to make peace with every lost soul he wants to make peace in our families there's there's a peacemaking that yeah it's i that's I, a message all by itself i'm sure but we have we have something that happens there when we become children of God. We're no longer hating others and being hateful. We become peacemakers in relationships that we're in. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. You know, when you become a peacemaker, just when I was converted, my family, I, I shared my testimony and i was persecuted i was reviled they did not want to hear what i had to say there was something that happened there and there's a progression that's that's a natural progression as you go through the scriptures there and in the sermon on the mount i just to me it's this happens then this happens and it just goes down the line but when you become a peacemaker uh, you will be persecuted you will be reviled not not all men love the lord jesus all live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus says, "You're blessed if this happens. Blessed are ye." And I never really saw a blessing in that myself. I struggled with that because I didn't want you know you don't want to see your friends or your family perish. You want them to come to Christ, and yet Jesus says you're blessed. You rejoice when these things happen. <clears throat> I'm just going to do a quick review, starting in verse 4, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a brokenness. There's a a coming to Christ, and we can't help ourselves. And then there's a surrender to Christ's lordship. I'm getting ahead of myself. Blessed are they that mourn. There's a repentance. There's a need. Then there's a repentance. Repentance. Blessed are the meek. There's a, a meek person. is a surrendered person. He surrenders to Christ. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. So there's there's a coming to Christ. And then there's a turning away from the husk the world has to offer. Uh, there's new appetites. There's a hunger and thirst for eternal things. There's a hunger and thirst to be in good standing with God. There's a hunger and a thirst for... Things that are eternal, things that are not earthly. <clears throat> Blessed are the merciful. There's a release. There's a, there's a giving up of self and there's a turning loose of your enemies, those that have wronged you. That's, there's a merciful aspect that we need to, that we need to find and practice there. And I'm sure that's much larger than just a little aspect that I bring in there. But that's, that's what stuck out to me. And then there's, pure, there's uh, personal holiness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's a calling. Uh, there's a call to service. Here's what I like to, Is what I look at that. There's a, there's a call to service. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. God works, and we're called to work as a progression. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So that's all I had to share this morning. I hope that you could be blessed with that.